as we look at the final two offerings of the five Levitical offerings. Now, it's interesting the order of these offerings because the first three are free will offerings. They are offerings that are a sweet savor and fragrance to the Lord because they are offered by your own will and volition. The burnt offering, the grain or meal offering, and the peace offering were brought to the tabernacle because you wanted to draw near to God. And that created a sweet savor to God. The book of Leviticus is difficult when all we do is see the preparation for the sacrifices. What you're not reading is the heart between what God is doing with His people in those sacrifices, and that's what we want to see today. And so by your own will and volition, you present those offerings to God, but in all actuality, you can't present them till you do the last two offerings, offering four and five, which is the sin offering and the trespass offering. We've got to get our sins taken care of first. And those two that we're going to look at today are compulsory They're commands of God. There's no option in what you must do with your sin. There's there's no option in whether you want to approach God or not. You must have your sin taken care of in order that you may approach a holy God. We are separated from God without an atoning work unless we come through the blood the blood of Jesus Christ. And so this morning we are going to look at the sin and guilt offerings. These are in Leviticus 4 and Leviticus 5 and 6. The sin offering and the guilt, or you might know it as the trespass offering. Chapter 4 tells us about that sin offering. 5 and 6 tells us about the trespass or guilt offering. Now, there's a couple things that I want to share with you before we get there, and that is this. Both of these offerings are compulsory. They are demanded, where the other three were free will offerings. But our sin must be dealt with. Also, there are no options concerning the sacrifices for these animals. There are specific animals that are to be slain for sin. Where, if you'll remember, with the Uh, burnt offering and the peace offering, you could bring a particular animal according to your economic status. If you wanted to bring a bull, that'd be great. If you could bring a, a ram, a goat, or a lamb, that would be good. If you couldn't afford that, you'd bring turtle doves. But not in the sin offering or the trespass offering. It was compulsory that it must be a specific animal that was to be slain. Now, Let me help you understand the difference between these two offerings before we go into their specifics. The sin offering was known to be more of a corporate offering, an offering over the entire people of Israel, the priesthood, the elders, and uh, usually done on feast days. And it dealt with the entire issue of sin. Where the trespass offering dealt with specific individual offenses that you may have caused 
unto God or another person. I've got a real good example for you. How many of you remember when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet? He came to Peter and he said, I must wash your feet. I'm going to paraphrase now. And Peter says, Lord, you do not have to do this. Uh, I don't want you to wash my feet. And Jesus said to Peter, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, Lord, don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you'll have no part of me, Peter. So then what was Peter's response? Wash me all over! (laughs) I want to be completely a part of you. And this is Jesus' response. A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And there is a reference to the sin offering and trespass offering. The sin offering cleansed the whole person or the whole nation or the whole issue of sin. But the trespass offering kept your feet clean day to day. Do you understand the analogy? You and I have been saved through Jesus Christ, washed in the blood, secured by the Lord, and His blood washes and keeps us. But day to day, you and I offend God and sin against Him and our fellow man. And we need our feet washed every day. We need to confess our sin before God. We need to thank Him. There's a lot of confusion with that with 1 John 1, 9, where it says if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And at salvation, that was accomplished. And then there are those who teach you, therefore, never need to repent of any sin issue again. And I would beg to differ from that based on these two offerings. Of course, that is correct that 1 John 1, 9 tells us of our salvation, that our sins are forgiven, and uh, uh, He's faithful and just to do that. We don't need to keep getting resaved as some others teach where you sin, you lose your salvation, sin, you lose it, got to get it back, get it, got it, get it. We should have a revolving door. The Holy Spirit could come back and go. I don't believe that either. But we do need to keep ourselves in fellowship with the Spirit of Holiness. That He would convict us and we do need to repent and have a humble heart before God our Father with a trespass offering and say, Oh God, forgive me that I failed you. Forgive me that I said that thing. Forgive me of this attitude or this issue. I know that I have the sin offering and I'm cleansed, but I need to deal with my trespasses. In fact, isn't there a spot where Jesus says, Forgive us our trespasses as you have forgiven or as we forgive others of their trespass against us something like that isn't it well what's he making reference to when he's speaking to a jewish crowd and he's saying forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others who trespass he's talking about the trespass offering our daily activity that we need our feet washed with and so that's the distinction between those two let me i have a little chart here i got off the internet Uh, I have to say that because some of you might think I was smart enough to do this. I'm not. But these compulsory blood sacrifices. So the sin offering really deals with our identity with God. It speaks of the covenant where his covenant people uh, or where the priests or where the elders are. You know, it deals with the whole issue of sin and the identity of the one giving it. Where the trespass or guilt offering deals with our actions. And many times at the end of the trespass offering, you were to pay retribution or follow through with fruits of that repentance. 
So one has more to do with identity and the other with action. It says here that the, the, uh, the sin offering is a picture of Christ's provision for who we are. We're sinners by nature, but he's changed our nature. The sin offering deals with the stain of sin. And the emphasis is on the blood that atones for sin. For sins of ignorance, defilement, and carelessness. It's a picture of the cleansing blood of Jesus. And as 1 John 1.7 says, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And so that's the sin offering. It's complete. It's whole. Once and for all. Now the trespass offering is a picture of Christ's provision for what we have done. It deals with the damage of sin in our lives. I would imagine that there were some in this prayer line this morning praying for help because of the damage that sin has done in their lives. Right? You can have your sins forgiven, but how many of you also want your damage healed? You understand? It would be enough that He'd forgive us our sins, but thank God He's also going to heal us of our sinful nature and our attitude. Many of our health issues here this morning is because of what we did in sin against this temple. It would be enough that we had those sins forgiven, but even more so, God said, I want to heal you. You've got to participate in that. In the trespass offering, you have to participate in. You might have to pay back the person you took money from. Or you might have to work back at healing your body from the sin you've been causing to it. You with me? All right. Emphasis on a confession and restitution for sins of ignorance and willfulness. And it's a picture of the restoring value of the work of Christ in us. And as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. We sin against God, we trespass against Him, but He is not condemning us over those issues. He's correcting, uh, disciplining us, and giving us power to overcome them. And so that's the importance of these two offerings. And many have forgotten this in, in our teaching concerning sin. And so, yes, we are cleansed once for all by the blood of Jesus. That's the sin sacrifice. But we have to daily, personally, walk in alliance and in cooperation, in step with the Holy Spirit who's convicting us and telling us what we need to get in shape and right with Him. And, as John the Baptist said, bring the fruits of repentance. So let's take a look at each one of these. First of all, the sin offering. If you look at Leviticus 4, that's your homework this week. Read Leviticus 4, 5, 6, and 7. That's not too much. You've got seven days to do it. It breaks down the different sin offerings. And again, this was done, uh, for example, on the Day of Atonement, the scapegoat offering and those other offerings. These were sin offerings. Uh, the priests were to have a sin offering and cleanse themselves before God. The whole congregation would offer the sin offerings and the priests would offer the sin offerings for the nation of Israel. And so Jesus died for the sins of the world as a sin offering, right? Now, there was a sin offering for the rulers or the elders and there were sin offerings for the common people as well. And so... 
That's what they were to offer unto the Lord in their sin offerings. Now what's interesting is this, that they were to bring that offering, whether, example, for the priests it was a bull, for the people it may have been a lamb or a goat. They're to bring that and they are to offer blood. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 declares this, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Now I'm going to read that again, and I want you to hear the important words in this phrase. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes the atonement for one's life. All right? I did a little emphasis there so you could catch on. Life, blood. Blood, life. There's an exchange that takes place. It wasn't until the 1700s that man figured scientifically that life was in the blood. They began to medically take a look at this concept. Jesus knew it all along. God knew it all along. The priests in Leviticus knew it way back then. They understood, as God said, the life is in the blood. And as they would bring their sin offering and lay their hands upon that offering, they knew that the life of that animal was taking the judgment of their sins on that altar so that they would transfer their guilt and sin upon the innocent. And as the life of that innocent animal drained out of it by the blood, so the judgment of that person's sin was removed from their life, and they were given life again. And this is substitutionary atonement. Jesus himself became the Lamb of God so that you and I would identify our sins upon Him. When we tell you to pray, Lord, I'm a sinner, forgive me of my sins, and you're saying that prayer, or you're leading someone in the sinner's prayer, they are identifying themselves with Christ, transferring their sin, because it was there on that day on the cross, they're identifying their placement I was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so their life is going to Christ who died for us, who then gives us His life. That's the sin offering. And so life is in the blood. So one death for your life. But here's the problem in the Old Testament. The blood of animals was not enough to satisfy our sins. Could have been an innocent animal, But that animal couldn't compare to what we had accomplished in sin. God was not pleased with the blood of bulls and goats. His son must come, and a righteous man died in our place, and that's Jesus Christ. Second point of the sin offering is this. The blood was poured on the horns of the altar. So they would slit the throat of that animal, pour out the blood, and the priest would take the blood and seven times put it on the horns of the altar of the, of the, uh, the burnt laver. And that represented our offense to God. Look at folks, I think we have a problem where we are not recognizing the holiness of our God. 
In grace, we so often say, hey man, we got a good deal, this is a great thing, I've been forgiven, I'm good to go. Sorry I hurt your feelings, but this is good. But our holy God is offended by our sin, and we need to begin to have a conviction. Do you know that people will suffer in hell for eternity because their sin is so offensive to God? You would be there too if not for the grace of God's blood. Every sin we must understand and consider the eternal gravity of what we've just done as an offense to God. And so when that blood was put on the altar, I want you to know that Jesus was the horn of the altar. He was a man you could not even understand. His vision, his figure. He was so beaten, Isaiah says, you could no longer discern what man that was. His beard pulled out, his body just dripping in blood. He was the blood that was put on the altar. He's an offense People are offended by the cross. They're offended by that brutality of a man dripping in blood, beaten to death on a cross. It's offensive. It's barbaric. And yes, imagine how offensive it was to God's own heart to see what we did to His Son. And we take our sin way too lightly. Oh, thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. We no longer feel the heat of the fire while they would lay their hands on that animal and it began to burn and they began to have the concept of God's wrath on sin. It would be good every now and then to get singed. (laughs) Just to remind us of the great price that was paid for us. Oh God, help us. The blood was then poured out onto the ground which symbolized the forgiveness of the people who have clay feet and who walk in this dirt. Thank God. God is satisfied. The earth is satisfied. We are forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, what is interesting about the sin offering is this, that it was not to be eaten You remember the peace offering was, the burnt offering was fully consumed, but the peace offering, grain offering, you could eat what was sacrificed, but not the sin offering. In fact, the fat was put on the altar to be burned by God, but the hide and the meat was taken outside of the city to be burned. You got no benefit from the sin offering. You could not say, you know what, I need a new leather couch. I'm going to offer a cow. Take the hide and invite the family over for a meal. Not with the sin offering. Because the sin offering was taken outside of the city. The valuable hide and meat were burnt outside the camp. It could not be offered to God. It was burned as a worthless thing. How many of you remember where Jesus was sacrificed? Outside of the city. He was taken out there. Paul puts it this way, all selfish motives, a writer puts it this way, all selfish motives have been removed from the sin offering. You couldn't bring a sin offering because you wanted the leather or the meat. Only because you wanted to get rid, to get right with God. 
It was the only motivation in that offering. I just have to get right from God. It was the best offering you had, the best sacrifice, and you gain nothing from it, only forgiveness from God, which is everything. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for Christ's sake. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may be found in Christ and gain Him. You see, what Paul is saying is he was a Jew, a Hebrew of, of Hebrews, born of the tribe of Benjamin. This guy, if he said, if anybody could boast, I can boast. And he said, no, 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 compared to the sin offering of my Lord for my, my life, everything I once thought was gain and profit is rubbish. And it's a reference to the sin offering being taken out that there's no gain in us. No flesh will glory in His sight. When we get in His presence, there will only be one who receives praise and honor and glory. It's Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Wherefore, Jesus also, that He might sanctify the people with His own blood, suffered outside the gate. The writer of Hebrews is making a direct relation to the sin offering. And He saved us as a people. That's the sin offering. Changing us. Transforming us. Through the power of His blood. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now let's look at the trespass offering. I thank God that we are a saved people. Once for all, we've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. What we have gained is eternity. Nothing to be boastful of in ourselves, but our boasting is in Christ our Lord. But now the trespass offering. What does it mean to trespass? It's real simple. How many of you see signs all the time? No trespassing. What does trespass mean? You stepped into some place you shouldn't be. There's a line that says, no crossing. Some of us do that. What's the big deal? And then some people go like this. <laughs> it's a trespass either way you cut it. It's to fall short. It's to miss the mark. And so to not share in the prize. Now what's interesting, as you read these chapters, you will find out that ignorance does not remove guilt. We may be ignorant, which may speak to our motivation, may not be intentional, but when we sin, we sin. Whether we're ignorant of it or not, we still offend. How many of you have offended people and you didn't realize it? And so you say, well, that's their problem, not mine. Once you understand and are aware of it, and the Holy Spirit says, you know, you better maybe go talk to that person, because uh, how many of you had that where the Holy Spirit says, you know what, something was off there. I think you were a little bit funny with your re response. You check your heart. What he's trying to tell you is you just trespassed. Trespass against the Lord and a trespass against fellow man. Listen to this verse that Jesus says in Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, 
See, we read that in 21st century. So we think, okay, well, I'm coming with my gift, uh, my, my, my offering envelope to the altar. They didn't have offering envelopes, and they didn't have altars at the front of their church. So what would he be talking about when he's talking to the Jewish community, and he's saying, when you bring your gift to the altar, they're sacrifice. They're sacrifice to the, the altar, the burnt offering, uh, the sin offering. When you bring your offering to God, and it's a gift. So I would imagine it was one of the free will gifts, the volition of either a burnt sacrifice, grain offering, or a peace offering, because it's a gift. It's your own volition coming to God. He said, so if you're going to bring your gift offering to God, and you approach the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. That is a complete reference to the sacrificial system of these gifts. What he's saying is, before you bring your free will, volition, your love offering to me, whether it be burnt offering, peace offering, or grain offering, deal with your trespasses. That's what he wants. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others who have trespassed against us. These two are essential before you bring your gifts to God. We took communion this morning, brothers. Paul reiterates that we need to discern the Lord's body. That if we would take the same meal of salvation, the sin offering, body and blood of Jesus, that's our sin offering. If we would take that without discerning that we are unforgiving to other people, there's a contradiction in that place. And he said, that's why some of you are sick and dying among you because you have unforgiveness and you're not willing to forgive one another. So this brings into reality these offerings before us this morning. And I conclude with these verses. 1 John 1.7 Jesus is our sin and trespass offering. If we walk in the light as He is in the light and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. You see, these two go hand in hand. We're right back to the beginning of the first two sacrifices. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body and love your neighbor as your own. And so the sin offering and trespass offering is if I've sinned against God, I'm cleansed by my sin, but therefore I must also not trespass against you and you against me. This thing was so intrinsic in the offerings of God that we're to be a different people. That if you believe in God and you believe in salvation, it should show up in the way you treat each other. And that's not happening in the people of God. Look at the church so fractured and so disjointed and so offended by one another. What cracks me up is when I read blogs and when I read things about different ministries, it's not atheists and heathens that are speaking against Christians. It's Christians, badgering Christians. We're killing each other. I think we need to go back to the altar. We trespass against each other. Hebrews 10.10 By the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ 
once for all. There's the sin offering. It doesn't need to be offered over and over and over and over and over again every year, every week. Hebrews 10.1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. The word perfect means complete. These bulls and animals couldn't complete Israel, but Jesus is completing us. He is able to complete that which he has begun in us, the author and perfecter of our faith. Come on, he's able to complete that which he started. And I'll tell you why. This is the big difference between the five laws, uh, sacrifices of Leviticus, and the one sacrifice of Christ. Because what the law could not do, it could not change our nature. But what the cross did has changed my nature. Romans 8.3, for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh. We couldn't perform it. God did. God did. Everybody say that with me. God did by sending His Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a what? Sin offering. And so He condemned sin in sinful man. And so laying hands on an animal transferring my guilt to that animal may have prepared Israel for the coming Messiah, but it never changed them from being sons of Adam. They're lost in their sin and have a fallen nature. But when I confess my sins upon the Lord Jesus Christ, a miracle happens. My sins are cleansed, washed away, and the old man is put to death. And there is a new man that comes and abides in me, a new nature. I'm taken out of Adam. I'm put in Christ. And now I have a new being. I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. Changed forever. Therefore, the Spirit will not allow me to trespass against you or you or you. He will wash me and He will walk me into holiness and walk me into completion and perfection. And that's the path we're on. And that's what these five sacrifices pointed to. But oh, they're just shadows and types of the reality of what you have this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, they would want to have what you have. Imagine that every person before Jesus Christ ever born would long to know what you know. Of course, they're in heaven now, so they, they're all right. <laughs> oh, Father God, let us close this morning. Band, come forward.